Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This is Christine Heath coming to you from Hawaii, and I'm here with Judy Sedgman coming to you from Florida. We're going to talk today a little bit about uh, problem solving in in therapy and in life, really, and how we're kind of trained in our world to try to figure out how to live our life so that we can feel healthy, so that we can be happy. And one of the things that happens in traditional um, therapy is that usually what, what therapists will do is that they'll um, do an intake with you and kind of go through your past and go through what problems you're having. And that takes a session or two. They might set up a treatment plan and uh, do some things like that. But eventually, after you're done analyzing kind of why you are the way you are, it evolves into problem solving. So you go to see the therapist and the therapist then sits and problem solves with you about how to live your life which when I was a traditional therapist, I even remember thinking, gosh, I don't know what they should do in their life, but I would make up something that seemed like a good idea and was always interesting because sometimes they'd come in with a similar problem to the one I had during the week. And I'd think like, I didn't even know what to do. What am I going to tell them? But nonetheless, I would try to come up with some answer for that. And so clients were really, and still are kind of conditioned to come in to see a therapist and talk about the problems they're having in their life, the details of their life, or things that they don't understand how to deal with, or they don't understand a reaction they had, and then the therapist will problem solve with them. So um, one of the things that we recognize is that when we're doing that, um, a, number one, the therapist doesn't really know what you should do. So if anybody's telling you what to do and they they come up with a solution to your problems, beware, because that's just their thinking about what they might do. But the truth is, is that everybody has their own wisdom inside of them. And really, we don't need to problem solve when we don't create a problem. So today we're going to talk a little bit about why it looks like it's important to problem solve and what problem solving can do. And maybe what we're going to talk about is a, a, a new way to take a look at making changes in your life or dealing with, with what people perceive as problems. So I hope it goes well. Hope you enjoy the show. And uh, Judy, you want to yeah, say something? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because when I got involved in the principles, I was not a psychologist. I was a business consultant. And uh, I was very baffled by the fact that uh, clients would hire me to solve problems. They hired me to come in and fix things. And I really believe that if I could fix things for them, that their, you know, their situation would improve and everybody would be happier, et cetera. But of course I couldn't actually do the fixing. All I could do was recommend things that this is the, the steps you would take to fix this or that. 
And the funny thing was that I had been in business doing that for three years and never, ever once had a client done what I suggested, even though every time I came in with my report and my suggestions, they would be thrilled. And they would say, oh, that sounds great. That's a good, I like that. That's a great solution. And then, you know, I'd check in with them and see how they were doing and if there was anything we could do to help them. And they would be like, well, you know, we got busy and I kind of haven't had a chance to try to implement it yet. And, you know, then I wanted to pass the report around and let some of the other people see it. And we haven't really had a meeting. There was always a reason why they hadn't done anything yet, even though they, they kept paying us and they thought we were great. And there were certain things we actually did do financially for them. But, but, um, I was just totally confused by that. It's like, how could somebody say, yeah, that's great. That's a wonderful idea. I should do that. And then forget about it. And this is where the principles come in because I had this huge insight uh, really shortly after I got exposed when I barely understood what I was thinking about. But I suddenly realized people can't do what didn't occur to them. They just can't, you know, that there's something in people that even if they think it's a good idea, they don't really know how to do it. They can listen to you. They could try to follow the steps. And I remembered myself years before when I'd gotten my first VCR and I was trying to read the instructions and get it installed and I I just couldn't do it. And I called a friend of mine who was kind of an audiophile, videophile person and he, he came over to my house and he did it and he explained every step he took. And he even used this beautiful metaphor about a river of sound and music and pictures. And, you know, I could understand exactly, but I knew in my heart that I could never have done that, even after watching him do it, that I didn't know it. I didn't know it for myself. And then I, then I, then I was like at a loss, like, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to be the smart person with all the answers and they don't care about my answers. So that, that, that's my start on how the principles kind of started to influence my business. Yeah. It's that, that's a difference in how we thought about ourselves because I thought I'm so stupid. How could I know what they need to do? (laughs) Then I had all this pressure on me to kind of figure out what other people should do. But, you know, part of it is, is that when you're looking at people as sick, suffering from a disease, you know, depression or anxiety, you, you kind of think that their thinking is not that good and that they need your help to think better. And the truth is, is they may not be thinking very well. That may be true, but they still have their own answers inside. And so when you, when you know that people have this core of mental well-being, you know that they then can come up with better solutions to their life issues than anything you could come up with. Boy, it really takes you off the hook. At least took me off the hook with that because now I didn't have to uh, kind of come up with something that was uh, new and, and, and innovative. But they would, again, go along with me. I'd come up with something and they'd go along with it. And I would say like, okay, do this this week. And the next week they'd come back They didn't do it. They didn't even have that problem anymore. It wasn't even on their mind. And they put in with a new problem. And I'm like, wait a minute, what happened to the last one? And they go, oh, yeah, I don't, I, 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 I'm not concerned about that anymore. It's not a big deal. 
And I'd be like frustrated because I had developed this great plan, right? And then they would literally walk out of the office and forget about it. So in learning the principles, I realized why that was. Because they weren't compliant, which is kind of what I thought is that they're, you know, the nature of the illness that they had caused them to not be able to follow through. But it was really that they didn't see what they needed to do for themselves. And it didn't matter how many times I told them these are great ideas. I mean, if I had a nickel for every person I gave good advice to that didn't follow it, I'd be very wealthy. But the thing is, is that when you know that the person has to see their own answers to to change. I mean, I was talking with one of my friends over on Oahu this weekend, and they were talking about their child that was still living at home and kind of um, not getting a job and not doing anything and kind of deciding it was because of the pandemic. And he goes, you know, I don't know what the deal is with him. He just he just sits at home and does nothing. I can't see that that would be a fun thing to do. And and I said, well, the, the thing isn't that he's doing this intentionally, but that's the best he can see to do. So what you're saying is is an example of that. Like it, it, the father could see like, oh, yeah, he needs to get out and get going and do something with his life. He's young and blah, blah, blah. But the kid couldn't see to do that for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know what the issues were with him. You know, he couldn't see to do that. So that's why it gets confusing for others as well as yourself. But we live in a world where psychology has kind of told us that we should be thinking about our problems and figuring out what to do. Now, the deal is, is that the problem is being created at a given level of awareness or consciousness. So whatever the person sees as a problem is going to be created from the thinking of that level of consciousness, right? So when a person changes their level of consciousness, their thinking changes, and then their whole world looks different, and they respond to it different, they get different ideas about it. But when you're trying to change your world with the same thinking that creates the issues and the problems, you're just going to create more of that so that the number of problems that you have just starts increasing. So when people are in therapy, they frequently come in with one thing. And then after a couple of years in therapy, they're like doing more and more, um, having more and more diagnoses and more and more issues and more and more problems and more and more reasons to why they can't get on with their life, why they can't get stuff going. You know, what's funny, Chris, as I was listening to you, I was thinking, you know, consulting really is a lot like therapy. Yeah, I mean, it was the parallels are amazing, because I, I felt pressure, because the problems weren't getting solved, you know, and I couldn't do it, and they wouldn't do it. And I couldn't make them do it. And they were acting like that was all fine. And I was thinking, no, that's not fine. That's not why I went into this business. I was, I was wanting you to have a more productive, you know, et cetera. And, and what happened is I had this, another insight, and this is kind of driving at what we're getting to here is that, you know, I never pay any attention to their state of mind when we meet. And so they come in with problems and they talk about the problems and some, most of the time they're angry about the problem. It's something that just is annoying to them. It's interfering with their regular life and they don't know what to do. And then, you know, in the course of the meeting, when I start 
arriving at answers or suggesting directions or whatever, they start to feel like, oh, well, I'll turn it over to her. It's sort of like turning problems over to God, you know, <laughs> she's going to, she's got it now. So I don't have to think about it anymore. So they go back to work and they would feel better because they weren't thinking about their problem. But I didn't know that. And so they would stop thinking about it and it didn't look like a problem anymore because they weren't thinking about it. And then when I'd call them and ask them, have you done anything? They, it didn't seem important to them anymore to do that thing. you know. And that's why they were putting up with it and not getting mad at me because the problem no longer existed in their mind. And I saw that and I thought, this is amazing. I mean, it's so revolutionary to imagine that just not having something on your mind erases the problem. And it doesn't mean you don't have situations you should address or whatever, but the way we think about things, the consciousness with which we uh, interpret things, the level in which we interpret things creates either an insoluble mess, a nightmare, a big problem, or it creates, oh, well, you know, that's just a small situation. We'll, we'll get to it or whatever. And I realized this is great. They will have answers if I treat their state of mind and stop talking about the problem. And it changed everything. And trust me, it really was like a, it was a revolution in my business. It, it totally transformed my relationship with our clients, with my staff, our staff's level of happiness and productivity. The clients would come up with fabulous ideas. And then when they came up with ideas, they would hire us to execute their ideas instead of us picking on them because they weren't executing our ideas. Yeah, it's to me, the other thing is, is that um, when you're, I mean, I mean, occasionally people will still, you know, talk to me about a problem or something and depending on the state of mind there. And if it's like, you know, dangerous, I'd be like, yeah, you know, get out of the house. Uh, because the person obviously is not in a state of mind where they can process that. But if you're doing that on a regular basis where you're helping to problem solve, what you're doing is you create a dependence on the therapist because there's some kind of a mutually understood idea that the therapist knows and that you don't know. And so you're there to learn what the therapist would do rather than learning what you would do. And that's really where the power in your life is, is not to problem solve by talking about what's wrong in your life. It's to see, A, how problems are created by our state of mind, because that's just, you know, it's like that form of, uh, of processing information, problem solving is just part of what we're born with. And when, you're, when you have that going, that program uh, going all the time, it's like constantly looking at your life in terms of a problem, right? So that, boom, you see one, oh, this could be a problem. Oh, that could be a problem. And, and or this is a problem. And, and so like one of the things that would happen is people would come in and they talk to me about an interaction they had with a spouse or with a family member or with a boss or some, some other human being. And they would tell me their side of it, right? And I would hear that and think that, oh, this is the way it really went down. <laughs> and then, like sometimes, if especially I'm doing marriage counseling, the other person would come in and they'd tell me about the same thing. And I'd be like, oh, my gosh, that totally changes that little piece of information that I didn't get 
from the first person or the frame of reference of the other person suddenly changes. And I, I got so humble because I thought, man, I've been listening to people tell me what they saw in their life. And that's really coming from the thinking they're at or the level of consciousness they were at. And then I try to problem solve with them based on that information. So it's like two things off. One is I thought I could problem solve for them. And B is that I thought that the information I had was all accurate. (laughs) You know, so a lot of times you'll hear people go to therapy and they, they say, oh, my therapist said blah, blah, blah. And they tell their partner, they're like, what? They said to do what? And it's like totally like, well, did you tell him this? Did you tell him you were drinking the whole time? Did you tell him that? You know, and it's kind of like when you're sitting there listening to somebody tell you about their problems, if you will, the only benefit to that is that you're sitting with the person and you're listening. When you start to get involved with that person in the details of their problem, you, you start to develop a dependency. So by listening to a person, you can help them to see that that thinking they're doing that looks like problem solving is kind of a backwards way of getting to their mental well-being, that that's really what they want. They really want to solve this problem so they can be happier, solve the problem so they can be secure. And so just going directly to let's be secure, and then you can see what you want to do about that, totally changes the game. And another beautiful part about that is that when the person feels that power, when, they, when people feel the power of their own capacity to think, when they really experiencing themselves as the creators of their own reality because they're seeing what they think as real, and they recognize that I can change my mind. What I'm thinking is something I'm making up in my head in the state of mind I'm in. That's all it is. And they start calming down, you know, and they start taking care of themselves better in the sense that when something starts looking like a problem to them, instead of rushing off to the consultant or the therapist or the friend or the mom or whatever, they say, you know what, I'm just going to take a little walk or I'm going to sit here for a while or I'm going to go to yoga class and forget this for a little while or I'm going to listen to music or whatever. Something that just allows their mind to drift, whatever works for them. It could just be a momentary glance out the window for some people. But when their mind quiets, they start getting ideas because that's when we get our common sense and wisdom back. So when their mind quiets, all of a sudden they, they come up with, first of all, the problem starts looking insoluble. And second of all, they come up with, oh, wait, maybe I could do this. That might work. And they, they, they feel themselves now not needing to keep going to the expert, you know, that the expert lives in their body and soul. Their, the wisdom is, is, in, is inherent to us all, and we all have access to it. And, and, and that is the most beautiful thing when you see a person kind of take on their own life again. It really is. a uh, Like for me, I always wanted my clients to feel secure and strong and be independent people and not dependent on their families or their spouses or their therapists, for that matter. I never wanted that. That wasn't my goal. But I couldn't see that what I was doing was actually creating that kind of um, power structure where it looked like I would know and they didn't know. So 
I think what you're saying is so beautiful because I, I mean, I didn't know what wisdom was. I didn't know I had it. I didn't know everybody else had it. And so I didn't know to direct people in that direction. I didn't know to listen to it for myself. And that to me is a, that's such a huge gift when people see that they spend a lot less time trying to figure out how to do life. Right. They just enjoy life. Yeah. And, and they trust, you know, the, the other, the other beautiful thing that I noticed in my clients and my clients were mostly physicians and what I noticed in my clients is that it really kind of had a ripple effect across their, you know, the business relationship had a ripple effect across everything in their life because they would get past their insecurities. You know, you think sometimes that they're really intelligent, high paid specialists, you know, are, are super secure, but they're not, you know, they're just human beings like the rest of us. And so when they find that security and confidence you know, we just, it was just so much more fun to, to work with them because instead of coming like supplicants and going, I don't know what to do about this and this is wrong, oh, oh, they'd come in and go, okay, I had an idea. I'm going to run it past you. And if it looks like we can do it, then all we got to do is figure out what you do, what I do. And they would be full of kind of vim and vinegar, you know, <laughs> as they used to say. And they would be, uh, you know, just, just so excited that they had answers. And I honestly cannot begin to say what a different world we would live in if people recognize that power in themselves, if everybody recognized that power in themselves, because it takes, it just erases insecurity as a problem in people's life. And, and what a gift it is for the helper to watch a person discover that and then take off in their life. So great. Like I, I've got this client and he, he had to go to court about a, something that happened a couple of years ago. And I thought he was making really bad choices in terms of what he was doing it with the judge and the court. And I was like, oh, man, he goes, Chris, you told me to listen to myself. And that's what my, my wisdom is telling me. And gosh, so far, it's kept him out of jail. So what do I know? <laughs> yeah, people have their own answers and they're always surprising. And sometimes they're even you know, kind of totally creative and out of the box. And you think, oh, wow, that's odd. But, you know, if it comes from the heart and it comes from your wisdom and it comes to you in a peaceful and inspiring state of mind, inspired state of mind, it's an answer. Yeah. And and uh, so that's our word for this week is we have it in us to see life, to transcend our problems, not solve our problems. To, to get into a state of security that allows us to see answers that we never dream possible. And we start to see that a lot of those problems just disappear. Right. So with that, we're going to say aloha and uh, have a great week. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com.